time when the fun begins. You may now have fun. Hi, I'm Phil. The fuck? No, I'm not. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dee Mechanica. Hi, I'm the Mutants. Hi, I'm the Saharan Republic. And welcome to Organise Fun, the board game podcast, where this week we have just finished our epic Risk Legacy campaign. There's no business, so we'll go straight to Moo to read the box. Risk Legacy. How will you shape your world? In Risk Legacy, every game you play will change every future game. A decision you make in game one could come back to haunt you in game ten. The risks you take in Risk Legacy are not like any other board game. You and the other players will shape how your world evolves. It's history and it's cities, even its factions and how they fight. Cards and stickers will come into play. Cards will go out of play forever. You don't forget past betrayals. <coughs> Pat, and neither does the game. I know what you mean. Unlock new rules and watch events unfold as you play more games. No two games will ever be the same. Play your game, write your history. Some game parts stay locked until you complete objectives. You will not be able to unlock them until game eight or nine, but they'll be worth the wait. Name a continent in one game and you'll benefit from gaming an extra army here in every future game. Build a bunker in a territory and provide a defensive bonus for all future games. Permanently upgrade territories with resources and win a game and found a city that only you can start in. It is for... It's for three to five players aged 13 plus. Oh, and so we recently decided to talk about the price as well. It probably goes for about 60 quid-ish. Yeah. That's not too bad. No. Yeah. There you go. Cool. So basically, it is risk. You, the board is a map of the world and you start off with little soldiers and you expand into territories and you fight. The combat is all dice-based, isn't it? Just highest numbers kills an opponent of the other team. And you expand your territories and the aim is to be the first one to collect four of these sort of coin tokens, which you can get by... Oh my god, I literally can't remember. Yes, swapping cards, swapping territory cards, completing missions, etc. And once one team has got four of these tokens, then they win that particular game. Work times fun equals progress. Now, the biggest thing, obviously, about a legacy game is these secret packs. So I thought we would just go through the secret packs and talk about, you know, what we had to do to get them, etc, etc. So obviously, big spoiler alert, if you've not played Risk Legacy and you think you will do, probably don't listen to this episode. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So there were one, two, three, four, five, six secret packs, wasn't there at the start? So the first one, well, I can't even remember the order. We'll just talk. So one of them you opened when you had built all the cities, the minor cities. One of them you opened when we got the world capital. Yeah, one when someone was eliminated for the first time. Yep. One with three nukes and one combat. Yep. Thirty plus. Someone gets to play. 30 plus troops. Yep. Oh god, what's the last And there's one more. Is it people. someone winning for the second time? Oh, oh when someone signs it for yes. the third time. Yeah. Or the second or time. Second. Yeah. 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 Cool, cool, cool. So someone wins the second time. Now, my, I'm going to go to all the game changes and all the extra bits and stuff in a minute. But my biggest question about the secret packs is, did it affect the way you played? Knowing what you had to do to open them, yes. were we aiming to meet these requirements on purpose? Oh, definitely. When I thought I could, we could eliminate you, I definitely tried. I wanted to open our box. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think maybe, Phil, we should point out at this point that you and I have played this before. We have. Uh, and this is actually the second uh, Risk Legacy game that we've gone through. So we knew what was coming up to some extent. I mean, it was a while ago. Yeah. We'd forgotten some things. And Mariel didn't. So, but as you said, Mariel, yeah, there's still that drive to... But even though we'd played it before, I mean, like, the requirements to open each pack are very clearly printed on the outside. So it's not like we had 
had any advantage no, in that true. sense. Yeah, and there were packs we didn't unlock last time. True. That we unlocked this time. Like yes, the World Capital the World one. Capital, indeed. But I just think, so, obviously, you're right, Moo, you just said you really tried to eliminate me to get the elimination one. Pat, you were the one that opened the 30-plus troops one. Were you specifically that game saving up your resources yeah. to get those 30 troops? Yeah, so saving up the territory cards with the, the little coin stickers on to, yeah, swap for as many troops as I could. <laughs> yeah. And that unlocked the alien faction and the uh, faction that I was playing with at the time became the bringers of nuclear fire. And I can't remember. No, they, they didn't. No. The aliens oh, are the sorry. bringers of nuclear yeah, sorry, fire because no. you saved your nukes That's for right. when Phil and I were having a turf war and just interceded to get the bringer of nuclear fire. Ignore that. No, it was the... Khan Industries. Alien Collaborator, that was it. Yes. Khan Industries became the alien collaborator. And there you go. <laughs> but I think obviously you're going to want to open the secret packs. That's mm. that's what that's the aim, isn't it? Really, that's the yeah. end goal. And I remember with the first set that we got, getting really frustrated. So the pack where you get to put the world capital needs a really specific. It needs a, the the right mission card in play, and you have to be able to draw a resource card that's worth four coins. And just we never got the right mission and the right resource card at the same time. So I'm really glad we managed to fluke that this time but there is one more pack to open which we randomly discovered underneath the parts tray and all it says is do not open ever so pat as the namer oh, of the world do you want to do you. the honors and I, open this I secret do. pack i mean this yeah we never found this in the other other box no but i have checked it is there it is there <laughs> i mean i could believe that lots of people that own this game have never seen this before yeah but it's the same as like you know the cards against humanity big box has a card hidden in the you have to rip the oh it does it has a card in it <laughs> wow okay so it does it literally says do not open ever inside there are event cards and more oh. the war progresses cards what what wow okay this is exciting the warning was very clear oh there are powers that man cannot understand and you have just angered them each person <laughs> here at the opening of this pack feels a brief pain and then <gasps> nothing but the memory of falling oh have we been killed by God? Yeah. <laughs> Inside this pack are five identical curse event cards. Each person who is here now has to put his name onto the front of one of the cards. Once signed, these cards immediately go into or create the event deck. Each person who signed the card is cursed and will feel the curse's effect when it's revealed. No! If there are fewer than five people here now, then any extra cards are immediately destroyed. Oh, one, two, three. Gonna destroy two more. <laughs> Okay. What do they say? The cursed player may discard one red star token to immediately destroy this card. If not, place this card in front of him. Discard it, it, discard it if the cursed player isn't playing. Next turn, you only use territory to count to recruit troops. Population, continent, bonuses, and powers aren't added. You can't turn in resource cards for troops. If not destroyed, discard this card after your next turn. Wow, so it's just you, you have a, have a really turn. shitty turn. Yeah, and you have to spend a red star to uh, get rid of it. To get rid of it. Wow. Well, we were warned not to open it. That's awesome. That is cool. Okay, Phil is cursed. Mariel is cursed. And Pat is cursed. Oh dear. God, Pat, why do you open that, you fucking idiot? <laughs> 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 Just spoil everything. So I think that leads nicely into the fact that this 
legacy game, unlike some others, can be played again. The board won't yes. change, but we can just go go around again with Kyle's car. Yeah, this is like this is our map. This is our game board now that we can just play normal Risk on kind of thing. And you're right, there are plenty of other legacy games where you can't do that, where once it's done, it's done. But we have the bonus of having a second set, so we can choose which of our <laughs> shitty mangled worlds we want to play on and which very true. with our horrendously mutated factions that we want to play with. So that's cool. Your government prescribes one session of fun per day. Obviously, there's lots of ways the game can change as it goes on, and we're just going to talk through some of those changes. They're not in any particular chronological order, just the order that I've remembered them in. (laughs) (laughs) So it starts off as basic risk, doesn't it? But, and there are five playing teams, five teams that you can go. But through the course of the game, as you mentioned, we opened up the alien faction and we opened up the mutant faction. I guess there's this sort of the cult of the new, isn't there? Did it make you want to play with one of the new factions? or not like what how did we feel about getting the new teams I guess is what I'm saying I did kind of want to play with them but actually preferred playing with the normal one I think partly because the way our board was set up anyone that played as the alien player had a fairly significant advantage right at the start because alien island is right by Australasia they don't have to pay for cities so you can gain quite a hefty continent bonus really early on and Mm. just wipe everyone off the board because Australasia here happened to have lots of cities in it already yeah so you could yeah build up a huge population bonus very quickly and I guess the same with the mutants the way our board was set up North America was basically theirs and once they've got North America they've just got a little base to build on forever yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is we tend to play legacy games with the same factions over and over again because it's it's kind of part of the story and you get attached to them and things. So yeah. there's a little bit of reluctance maybe to play as other people. But I think we are not the factions quite... The extra factions quite early. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember what game numbers, but in the first, like, five or six maybe. Mm. So, yeah. So actually I've been able to play the mutants a lot, which is why I introduced myself as the mutants at the beginning. Yeah, I think stuck with if we'd unlock them later some of the normal teams would have got more plays wouldn't they yeah Yeah. and because they would have got more powerful as well potentially true with all the extras that get added yes Okay, well, that's an interesting segue. Well, it's not interesting. It's just it's logical. It's a logical segue into this idea of player powers. So at the start of the game, we all got to choose a bonus, like, green power, didn't we? So, like, a special skill that your team has. And I know we, we speak about them in the recap of the games. But just, you know, stuff like you don't lose troops if a certain thing happens, or you can make an extra manoeuvre, you know, like a little bonus. But throughout the opening of the packs and the changing of the game, each team sort of gets more different powers that are represented by little stickers that you can just stick on. So there was a comeback power, so once your team's been eliminated you get a bonus if you are able to respawn back on the board. And how that works is if there's an empty territory, then on your next go, you can start again with your basic eight troop army. But obviously if the whole world is full then you're just eliminated anyway. So that's like a nice little bonus, like you come back a little bit stronger after getting eliminated. There were... Oh, weakness powers, weaknesses. Mm. And these came on cards that we could like screw each other over with so give a weakness to other teams and like that was my issue like Pat you said about playing it narratively my D Mechanica were shit (laughs) because who was it you me put a weakness on that meant I couldn't count my population so when you control a city it gives you an extra bonus to your population which converts to extra troops but my weakness was that I couldn't use that bonus so I was recruiting way less troops every time because I wasn't getting my city 
duty bonuses. But because of the narrative, I was like, well, Demechanic is the team that I'm playing as. They're still alive. They haven't been killed. So I'm going to stick with them no matter how shit <laughs> they are. I, I think that weakness is particularly bad. I mean, the fact that this curse card is just like, oh, one go. Yeah, whereas I, Demechanica, have that every turn. Yeah, <laughs> right, it's permanently cursed. It's mm. just awful. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of mine as well. It's not as bad as that, but the weakness for the Saharan Republic is that you can only manoeuvre into adjacent territories. So when you've got the Merc, I could build and build and build, but only move them one space. Mm. I can't manoeuvre. And that cancels out my starting power of I can manoeuvre. So I could have two separate islands of troops that weren't connected and move between the two. But now I can't. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Yeah, because the starting powers are randomised or, or yeah. you get to choose them. So yeah. the, the factions are different between different games, like different sets, I suppose. Yeah. So hang on. So starting powers, weaknesses, comeback powers. Missile. There was missile powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So each time you win the game and you sign your name on the board, the next game you start with a nuclear missile. And that has two sort of bonuses. So obviously, if you do a dice roll and you're not happy with it, you can fire a nuke into that combat and change one of your dice up and give you a bonus that way. Or once you've got these missile powers, you can spend one of your missiles to do something special. So mine let me take any territory card rather than a territory that I owned. And, oh, yours, what was yours? I could deny a continent bonus at the start of someone's turn. Cool, cool, cool. And mutants didn't have one, did they? No, but they no. had two comeback powers. Bastards. <laughs> two little bonus, yeah, blue two, bonuses. Yeah. And then the other slot are these personalised missions, these, these red powers. So it's a mission that gets stuck on an, your faction card and that's something that only your faction can do. And again, that's just another way of personalising the factions, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So mutants and aliens start with them. So nucle- mutants, if they control all the fallout zones and the nuclear wastelands, they get a star. The aliens get two stars if they control all the cities or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Which, yeah, again, if you're sweeping across as the aliens, makes it a very easy victory. Mm. But they don't get missile powers, they don't get weaknesses either, really. And I think they're good, but they're sort of frustrating. Like, do you think it's possible to create a faction that just absolutely either kicks ass or absolutely sucks balls? Like, yeah. You... Yeah, I think, well, Dean Mechanica was getting that. <laughs> that weakness just really crippled oh. you. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, the aliens are just very good. I mean, I seem to remember that from the other side as well. They just, they are very powerful, difficult to get control of if they've already started spreading a lot. Yeah, and I think it could, that's the sort of first way that the game can become sort of almost irreversibly skewed mm. towards mm. some teams. But again, I think that's partly because of the way we tend to play these things. Yeah. Like sticking with the same factions. Because one of the other things that gets introduced partway through the game is just a little system for divvying up who goes first, who gets what faction. Because at the beginning, you just roll off and then whoever rolls the highest gets to pick. And they get to pick first, they go first. Yeah. And, and all that kind of thing. And everyone starts the same number of troops. But then eventually there are these cards that you have to pick between so if you you might roll to go first but you, then you get first pick of okay well do I get this faction or do I get to start with 10 troops rather than 6 or 8 or more or less depending on how many players you have and that well that's a next bit of conversation how did you right when drafting how did you decide what your priority was because you could what was your faction what order of turn what order you place on the board and how many troops and whether you start with any coins already how did you prioritise what you were going to go for well I think most of my point was 
was that so I didn't prioritize faction because we tend to stick with the same True. faction. Yes, yes. So because normally I think this game would balance itself out a little bit because people would if people were fighting over yeah. the good faction. Exactly. <laughs> Ten troops I saw as important, or having more troops rather than less troops, yeah. so that you could like rush to get a constant bonus in the first go. True. I wasn't fussed about getting coin cards early on. Because you can't keep coin cards as a mutant, so you can only have Well, two. yeah, that was part of it. I can, yeah, limited with my because of my scar, more weakness. But yeah, troops and second placement. I was a fan of second placement because you can, if someone picks, someone will go first, I'll pick a particular location. So then you can go, okay, well, I don't want to be like right on top of them. So I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. But if you're third, you can be left with like a terror, you know, a terrible choice of like, well, I'm going to be stuck in the middle. Do I want to be close to them? You know. So I, I felt second placement was good for me. I quite like third placement for that reason. I like to because when I've picked sites first, I've then ended up with you basically on top of me and no room to expand. And- Bow. Yeah, like too close. Whereas if I've got third placement, I can see where you two are and decide to either stick with my stronghold in Scandinavia or get a bit further away and try and spread so that I could take a continent and have room to expand into it and reinforce the borders. And I prioritise troops and coins so that I could add to my numbers. Yeah, I was the same, like prioritising troops and coins because they're obviously coins, coin cards, you're going to get four quicker that you can trade for one of the win tokens and the troops, like you said, Pat, the more you start with, the you can spread more quickly. I wasn't fussed about placement or turn order at all because in my head, they're things that are beyond my control. And, you know, it's like, mm. well, my turn is going to come around. I still get to do that. It doesn't matter to me really what order it happens in. Whereas the troops, well, you will be the only one that starts with 10 troops and that mm. can be a huge bonus at the start. Depending on where you start, first turn is quite helpful. So I also like first turn because I settled in starting in Scandinavia for the last few games. So if I can get my first turn in, I can shore up my borders before anyone else gets anywhere near me. Yeah. I can stake my claim and I can shore mm. it up for my next turn to then start expanding out. So that was important yeah, yeah. to me. So I felt with three players, there was enough enough time to expand in the first couple of goes without risk of too many fights breaking out. That, that So yeah, turn order wouldn't really bother me. But no. I, can, I can see. Although there is that risk, because I mean, obviously the only way to take a territory card is to successfully win a fight on your turn. Mm-hmm. So there were plenty of times through this campaign where we were just like, sorry, I'm just going to attack you, not because I particularly want to, but because <laughs> it's an easy win and that will mean I can get a card. Yeah, yeah. definitely the last game you and I were fighting over Afghanistan, yeah. just swapping it back and forth <laughs> so we could take the card. <laughs> Play to win. win. So another thing, you start with, as I said, basic risk, not much going on. But throughout the course of the game, you can unlock these event cards. And the way that you draw an event card is, so once someone takes a territory card, obviously a new one gets drawn. And if that is an even number, if that's worth an even amount of points, then, you know, even event, you take an event card. And... Some of them were, what's the matter? <laughs> oh, the one that fucked us right up. No, it's <laughs> even events. It took me way too long. Oh. <laughs> but okay, so there's, you know, stuff, whoever controls Alien Island gets to take a card, for example. Whoever has the largest population usually gets to do something. But I think a lot of them, because they came with the mutant team and they came with the alien team, a lot of them specifically refer to the mutant player can do this or the alien player can do that. And if you don't have that team in that game, it's like a wasted 
but then they skew it as well so if we've been playing with the aliens again it would just mean that it was really easy because usually like oh the alien player can destroy a city the alien player mm. if they've mm. got alien island gets 500 troops <laughs> 500 <laughs> troops yeah or they tended to have again because the way our board is is the way the board is set up that there there's loads of cities in australasia which is right next to alien island so the aliens can spread they have the population they have the space so they actually yeah it's really easy for them to overrun I think there could have been more event cards that were more general that didn't need the mutants or the aliens. Yeah, yeah, the event cards are a bit disappointing. Mm. I don't remember that particularly from last time. No. Probably because I was playing as the aliens. Yeah, (laughs) you're just basking in your... (laughs) The reason I played mainly as the mutants for the last seven games, bar one, was because so they have an extra bonus that you scratch off Mm. depending on event cards that come up and and what choices you make in those. That's just fun, just wanted to see see what I would get, but it just never happened. But I think that could skew the way you play for example the more times you cycle through this event deck you know it's good to have cities unless that fucking riots card comes around you know it's good to have alien island because there's a specific event that rewards you for having that sort of thing yeah well yeah the riots card was was maybe an example of the event deck being good because Uh, i don't think so no 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) it didn't mean that i won but that's that's my point right it changed the outcome of the last game Yes. That's true, because I was winning. And it's, I don't know, I, just, I like that kind of thing. You know, was it fair? Possibly not. But actually, that means but, that it turns the cities into that double-edged sword, because there's an yeah. event card that rewards you for having the yeah. cities, but then there's the riot card, which punishes you for having big cities. Just realised we didn't... We didn't do that one. We didn't do Egypt. The capital... I suppose that does count as a major, major city. city. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did have, like, more. four troops in it already. <laughs> this is true. It would have been unlikely to riot, but... but yes. So, that was events. Obviously, this awful riots card that we're referring to, if you own a major city, you roll a dice and you add a bonus for HQs and people. And if it's still less than six, you kill some people and you lose your HQ. And both Moo and I lost our HQs. And your HQ counts as like a red star token that you can use to win. So that literally crippled us, didn't it? Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. fucks us over completely. I was Sorry. up to three stars. You are reminded that enjoyment is compulsory. Another type of card that you unlock through the game is these mission cards. So the the idea at the start of each game, you turn over the top of the mission deck, and that is something that you can complete to get red stars, one or two, depending on the difficulty of the mission. So something, you know, like in the same turn, can you conquer nine countries? In the same turn, can you invade a whole continent? What else was there? What did we have to do to get... There was the the... island one. So there was the, if you control Um, seven islands or more, that we wasted a lot of game trying to win. Yes. (laughs) Because then you could add a sea sea lane. Yes, which we haven't done on this board yet. We can create a new sea lane connection. I guess my thing with the missions, a lot of them seem really hard to do Mm. and take a lot of effort. So for me, in my head, unless there was something that I could really clearly see, right, within the next couple of turns, I'm going to be able to do that. It was just easier to focus on these petty skirmishes, build up some cards and trade them in for a red star rather than try and do the mission. Were you guys particularly drawn by the missions? It depended on what they were. So the sea lane one was also worth two. Mm. And both yours and Pat's 
HQs were quite hard to get to, but I only needed to get two two in Northern Europe and I think one more that I could have got to fairly easily that you owned. So I focused on that because then that's two stars, I win. Yes. <laughs> I think, up on that yeah, actually, depending on when the mission came up, if I had just coincidentally already completed sort of half of it, then that might influence me to try and get it. Mm. But otherwise, no. Yeah. Just too hard. Well, there was one that was like, can have the most population or something, so that was quite, depending on where you started, quite easy to do because the way our map's laid out. Yes. Although, so later, right, only for the last game, you became the leading faction, mm. which let you choose the starting mission card. Did you pick a mission based on whether you thought you could complete it yep. or whether it would... Oh, yeah. I yeah. picked the first mission because if I took Europe, I got that the next go. Nice, yeah, and you just <laughs> had it. There was an event card that did that as well that let you pick a, mi- pick a new mission and shuffle it. And I think I, again, picked a mission that I could complete quite quickly. Mm. A fun workforce is a one workforce. Another way the game can change things. So at the end of each game, you get rewards based on whether you won the game, whether you were still alive at the end of the game. Obviously, if you were completely dead, no reward for you. Obviously, that's, that's what you deserve for, <laughs> for being eliminated. So some of these, I'm just going to have to read these out of the rule book because I'll forget some. I'm sure I will. But so these rewards, if you won, you could change the name of a continent. And obviously, if you control the continent that you named, you get a little bonus for it. You can found a major city and name it. You can cancel out a sticker that's already on the board. You can change a continent bonus by adding plus one or minus one. You can build a shield around a city or you can rip up a territory card if you wanted. If you thought a territory card was too powerful, you could destroy it. And if you survived, you could build a minor city or you could stick an extra little point on one of the territory cards to change its value. What drove you to decide which bonus to choose when you won or when you held on? When holding on... The option of putting coin stickers on territory cards to increase the number of even yeah. even coin cards to then draw more events was my main focus. So I just wanted to draw more events for first. <laughs> Potential, Potential for, for shittery. Just, yeah, <laughs> more, more exciting, more interesting. Yeah, because before we had events, there didn't seem much value in the coins, so I was building cities because it seemed... Well, it was fun to name them, and they're a good way to increase your population, your troop bonus quite a Unless you're Team Mechanica. <laughs> <laughs> and there was obviously a, a pack to aim for at the beginning. Yes, I was going to say that was my main thing. Always build the city because once all the cities are built, you get to open a pack. <laughs> what about winning bonuses then? Same with the continents, really, because I, when I started, South America was quite good for me. I named that quite early on because then you get an extra bonus. So then if I owned South America at the start of a go, that got me seven, which was quite good. <laughs> Same with Europe as well. Like If you own it and you can hold it, it's quite good to just add more troops at the start of your go. Yeah, it certainly is. I find the pressure of naming things, though, is <laughs> too great. So. Knowing that it's a permanent thing. Yeah, I would... I don't know. Avoid those if I could. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh yeah, I'd pick it and then spend ten minutes trying to name it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I, I definitely had a hierarchy of, of things. So major cities, but then once all they were all all they were gone, all of those were gone. Then it went to continent bonuses, and then I resorted to just building shields around cities because mm-hmm. that was like a tangible thing. That was a visible thing that you could see. Yes, I could name a continent, but it was never going to be guaranteed that I would own that continent and get the bonus from it. You know. Yeah. 
yeah. so that was that I'm glad though because the the white stickers that you can stick over an existing one I'm glad none of us chose to do that because it's like what like don't be a dick <laughs> like, <laughs> yes alright fucking Central Africa is a radiation hot zone but yeah. don't be a dick don't cancel that out that's, <laughs> that's, that's just the way it is <laughs> I forgot you could do that because I just wanted Hello. to have everything on the board name by the end that would have yeah. been good because that radiation sticker stopped anyone owning it because it was too far from Pat for him to take and hold yeah, yeah. And it's I was a real say, pig if you don't own East Africa and if you do you then spend the entire of your manoeuvre just holding it's on a kick in the face that the world capital ended up being in Africa because <laughs> no. that's the continent that nobody wants because of that radiation symbol yeah as soon as that sticker went down <laughs> I don't think anyone ever held the entire continent for the rest of the I think no. I held it once maybe but again it just meant you could never manoeuvre anyone because you do your manoeuvre because there's a merc a mercenary point next to it where you spawn a troop at the end of the go so you just don't move anything in the end because you say well I've spawned a merc I've moved it and one's died yeah well it's funny she mentioned the mercs because the last sort of change that I've mentioned is these scars that go on so there's six different types of scar that can go on the board so I'll read the ones that are on my side and if you guys mm-hmm. want to do so you can build a bunker which if you're defending that territory it gives you a plus one bonus to your highest dice so you know you can dig in some defences the the opposite of that is an ammo shortage so if you're defending it you get a minus one on your highest dice because you're low on supplies and then the shields obviously you add one to both of your dice but the shields are cross-offable so you can only withstand one two three four five six and ten attacks before that shield is depleted and the city is unprotected again so those are the ones we started with at the beginning of the game and then as we progressed we unlocked the mercenaries that Mariel has already mentioned so you get to add a troop at the end of your turn if you control that territory there is the fallout zone that appeared when we first used three nukes in one fight that gave us the mutant faction so if you're trying to enter the territory you have to remove half your troops and then yeah at the end of your turn you remove a troop from it unless you're the mutant (laughs) and then the biohazard markers but again sort of the opposite of the mercs if you control it you have to lose a troop at the end of your turn and that's interesting because a lot of these obviously we chose you know we got cards with the stickers on you could choose where to put them except the fallout zone that was just wherever the battle that was happening Mm -hmm. and it was my HQ wasn't it yes got literally just wiped out by this nuke and that obviously permanently on the board but that could have happened anywhere and so it's in Alaska and so that blocks the connection between America and Russia over on the other side well I mean it, it makes it very direction. unfavorable to cross yeah because you have to lose yeah. half your troops to get through it but imagine if that was like Central America or if it was oh the Middle East would be awesome because that connects yeah. three yeah. continents together it could have it, been it, yeah it's, it's interesting right it could be somewhere like uber strategic mm. or it could just be really annoying if it was like Mongolia or China or something like it wouldn't be super strategically useful but it would just stop you getting the ter- like the bonus the continent bonus potentially yeah if you're not the mutants. And I think just looking at the board, now that we've got all the scars and all the stickers and stuff on it, there are definitely some continents that are shit or that are only good. Like, Pat, as the mutants, North America was your continent because you had the fallout zone and a biohazard zone in Greenland that only benefit you, really. Yeah. And basically, it's the middle of the board. Europe and Africa kind of got the most modification, not maybe in terms of of cities, but in terms of bunkers and ammo shortages and things. Mm. But I think it makes it just, I don't know, it, there's a lot of change because the ammo shortages make it easier to take somewhere, but then you're stuck there. You've 
probably not got a huge number yeah, of troops. Yeah, if you get attack. attacked straight again, you've got the ammo shortage. You can't uh, hold it. Yeah, a lot of change. Whereas um, the, the bunkers are harder to take, but easier to hold. The mer- the mercenary sites aren't necessarily harder to take, but once you take it, you then get an extra yeah, troop. You then, kind of reinforce it once you've taken it. It's true. balanced out by the biohazard. Yeah. But also, because... So legit starting territories. You can start in a major city that you built. Otherwise, you can't start in a country that has any sticker on it at all. So if we weren't playing, there is literally nowhere in Africa that you can start. There's nowhere in Australasia that you can start. And that would mm. really limit your choices. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that just changes the game in another way, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, it would be interesting to play this with more people. Yeah, like the full five. Just yes. To see yeah, how everyone fits in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they definitely get to fighting much quicker. Yeah. yeah. On fighting i want to talk about the dice i maintain the worst dice in board gaming are the the dice in uh, betrayal at house on the hill or betrayal legacy right ones with the the blank side and then the one One on the two two. they're the worst dice closely followed by the dice in risk worst in terms of what just they can be so unforgiving (laughs) you can you can go into a territory with two troops like or a territory being defended by two troops and you could have i don't know like six people and still lose yeah i don't know why it's just I really love the simplicity of it. It's like you're always rolling up to three dice as the attacker and up to two dice as the defender. Like most of the time, it's super straightforward just to see. Like it could be much more complicated, couldn't it? Like, uh, yeah, know, like Arkham Horror or something where you've got you know plus eight combat. You need this many successes and this and this and this. And blah, blah, blah. It's it's super easy, but it, I don't know, just so unforgiving. But it feels so. You know, it's random. You know, it's completely by chance. But it just feels like a right fucking personal <laughs> insult. <laughs> It does. When someone sweeps in and just obliterates your defences, or when you're launching a huge attack and one tiny little piss ant manages to defend <laughs> the whole country. Yeah. Indeed. It adds a good amount of tension and randomness, which is frustrating when you're involved, but very fun to watch when you're not involved. Indeed. Yes. When you're there going, come on, I just need one more and I can have this consonant <laughs> and I might have a chance next go, and you're just rolling ones and ones and ones. And there was one day, we played this over a few weeks, there was one day we played three games in a day and by the third game I was getting so fucking angry <laughs> because <laughs> nothing was going my way and I was just getting shafted and shafted and shafted. <laughs> I feel like they, they were the ones leading up to game 10 which well do you want us to read out what it says on the board? <laughs> so, <laughs> this was the, the next session we played at yours. Yeah game 10 I just wrote fucking Phil at last. <laughs> Because I won game one and then nothing until game ten. So I had nine <laughs> games of just getting shat on. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's not a fun game if you're not doing well. No. No. It's, yeah. And just... on that note, obviously, so the more you've won, the more nukes you get at the start. And nukes give you powers to change dice. So I was saying, like, basically for me, because you guys were having, like, five nukes, six nukes each, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no point fighting you until you fought each other and yeah. wasted yeah. your nukes. Because I'm never going to win because you've just got more nukes than me. And it almost... And I guess that's how wars and the world, you know, (laughs) you reward the ones that are better. Yeah. But just, you can very... And especially when you've got Demechanica's fucking population curse, you can very quickly find one faction or one player being the complete underdog and it's really, really hard to score that. I wonder if that's supposed to be be a balance for... if If you're a good player that's won a few times, but in the drafting you just get screwed over yeah for whatever reason you've ended up with like terrible faction terrible starting you know like third placement or whatever you know whatever it is and that just just a little boost to compensate
like for the fact that you know you've won a couple of times yeah I don't know but yeah but then similarly if you've won a load of times mm-hmm. and you end up with the best drafting and the best yeah. troops and yeah. the best thing it's just like here's the four red stars now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does mean you squander them I was a lot freer with the nukes as the game went on I thought I don't particularly need this but I'm feeling petty so I'm going to <laughs> yeah yeah. It's, I think when we had lots of nukes generally they would get spent like half of them would go in one fight yeah. and then half of the remaining would go in the next like you know the, the more the, the amount you would use in each fight went down yeah but Often lots went earlier. You hang on to that last nuke. So how did you guys? Obviously, as the game gone on, got oh my god, my grammar. Obviously, <laughs> as the games went on, how did you decide whether to spend your nukes on altering dice rolls or on using your nuke power, your missile powers? For me, you didn't have one. Did I didn't. Have, I, I didn't. The mutants didn't have a. So for me, it was easy. It was just on fights. So for me, it kind of depended what I was doing. When I wanted to sortie into South America, I needed to cut Pat's troops the turn before because he went before me. So I would then use the nuke to say no. Nah, you're not having that bonus yeah. to, just to try and make it easier for me to cross the border but most of the rest of the time I forgot and I would use it in combat because I either wanted to hold somewhere or take somewhere I really didn't like using my nukes in combat just because again in my head yes alright it might help me win but that's no guarantee that I'm going to keep that territory next turn or what, yeah. you know it's not yeah. a permanent thing whereas using my nuke power even though I was just taking any card and I was probably still going to swap those four cards for a red coin later mm. but just knowing I'm going to take the highest value fucking card so that one of you <laughs> can't have yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and I just used mine on strategic fights on the last game. I really didn't want to lose Brazil, so I just committed a lot of nukes to it. Nice. Please make sure you hit your fun quota. Can anyone think of any other changes that I've forgot? We maybe didn't mention Alien Island. No. But just when the alien faction comes into play, you get this extra territory called Alien Island, which is joined to two other territories by sea lanes. So ours joined Madagascar and Australia, so created a little link there between Africa and Australasia. What else changed? I think that's kind of it, that's really. Kind of it. Yeah. yeah. We had some interesting border zones because of the way things work. So yeah, the Middle East is has got an ammo shortage right next to a bunker. So that's a border that just kind of doesn't go across. And I'm sure it was Middle East and Russia. There was never much toing and froing over that, but they've also both got ammo shortages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good point for us. So we recorded a little summary after each game. So I'm just going to play the chronology of Risk Legacy here. Okay, so game one, I was playing as Imperial Volcania. I was playing as Khan Industries. And I was playing as the Saharan Republic. So, before we started, there was a little bit of bump to start off our game. Who wants to read it? Go ahead. Risk Legacy, it's your world. In, uh, fuck, yeah. Oh, are you... <laughs> Cut that. Are you okay, hun? In the year 2128, after years of global warfare, theoretical physicists joined together with astronomers, engineers, and particle physicists to announce a breathtaking breakthrough, the ability to create new Earths. Instead of warring over even scarcer resources and ever-diminishing supplies, factions and populations could transport to a verdant Earth untouched by humans. Great fanfare, the colonists departed for the first Earth clone created, ready to leave war behind. It took two months for the first battle to take place. It turns out that the factions weren't so ready to share, to give up past grudges, or to forgive trespasses. As future Earths were colonised, future wars followed. You have one of these Earths. It is waiting for your story, your wars. As of now, there are no cities, no wars. Even the continents are unnamed. But all that will change. The wars will come. They always do. Do, do, do. (laughs) 
so before we started, there was some sort of prep to do, and we all signed the board, didn't we? Saying that we all agree mm-hmm. to fuck up this world right royally, so that's lovely. And then each of the five teams, we had to give a starting power. So should we just read out our starting powers? Go Moo. Okay. So the starting power of the Saharan Republic was that when making your manoeuvre, you may manoeuvre between any two territories you control, even if they are not connected. Imperial Volcania, when recruiting troops, round up when dividing your territory and population by three, not down. To get a little extra troop bonus. And for Khan Industries, when drawing a territory card, you may place one troop into that territory if you control it. And each team had a choice of two, didn't they? How did you choose which of your starting powers to go for when you were placing them? So I thought of the one that would probably be more repeatedly useful, like if you invade a territory, you tend to move all of your troops through, but you do want a bit of support behind it, so you can then move somebody to back it up afterwards. Yeah, again, I sort of picked the benefit that would kind of come up the most, I guess, and like extra troops is always always very good. Yeah, same. I went down that because obviously you recruit troops every turn, so it's always going to be, if anything can help you get into that next troop bracket, Yeah. then that would be for the win. After that, we got to customise some of the territory cards. Each one starts with a base value of one, but we had 12 extra points to like distribute, and we just did that by random, didn't we? We just shuffled mm. them and stuck some on. So there are some territories that are worth more that can be highly fought over for control. And then the status then, I won game one, Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen again, I assure you. But the status of the map in after game one, we have ammo shortages in North Africa. We have an ammo shortage in the Middle East and Russia. in Russia. And for our winning bonuses, we each got to build a city. So I've got my city in Western Australia, which is called The Shit. Uh, I've got Move in Madagascar, or Move It. <laughs> and I have built Paddingtown in Peru. And there we go. That is the status after game one. Hi, I'm the Saharan Republic and I won game two. I was Imperial Balkania again. And I was Khan Industries again. And this is our roundup of Risk Legacy game two. And I've got the notebook. And that's fine. So new changes to the board after round two, we got the new scars this round were defensive bunkers, which gave an additional one point to the highest dice of the defender. I won and I got to name a continent, so South America is now Amazonia. Phil built a city called The Bollocks in Eastern Australia. I'm colonising all of that, by the way, so keep off. (laughs) And Pat has upgraded East Africa. Yeah, a new coin on the card. Why did you choose to do that, Pat? Mm, Because I built a city last game and I thought I'd go for something a bit different, just, you know. Otherwise, otherwise you don't bother doing it until you've made all the cities. And I think because North Africa was one of our three coin cards, when it came up, there was a bit of like, ooh, who owns that? You know, it does yeah. It does create a bit of tension. But it does mean that now North Africa, Egypt, and East Africa are all kind of, I don't know. Well, they're not the bollocks and they're not the shit. Yeah, this is true. Those are my cities <laughs> in Australia. Yeah. Becoming more sought after. It's going to be almost as hotly contested as the Middle East on this game. Yes. After game three, I finally won a game with Khan Industries, starting in Argentina, narrowly avoiding elimination to pick up four victory points. We have three new cities on the board, Pat, Agonia, The Tits, and Mufasa Town. At the end of game four, Khan Industries have won again. Uh, and have been revealed to be the alien collaborators. Double boo! 
Alien Island has appeared off the coast of Western Australia and Madagascar, and we now have new events. We have mission cards. Because the Saharan Republic and Imperial Volcania were eliminated, we now have comeback powers, and having won twice, that's what has given us the mission cards. So Right, so I was the first one to be completely eradicated from the board, so my comeback power is a little bonus. I'm now well supplied, so when defending, I'm unaffected by ammo shortages. Because card industries are the worst, the Saharan <laughs> Republic was also wiped off the face of the earth, and they are stealthy. They may place some or all of their recruited troops into one unmarked, unoccupied territory. Full stop. This is not an expansion. No. I repeat, this is not <laughs> an expansion. So Pat, how does it feel to be basically a giant cock? Uh, yeah, it feels pretty good. <laughs> Feels good. There we go. So what, we got three packets done in that game. Yeah, a lot going on there. Three packets remaining and 11 games to go. (laughs) Watch this space for more carnage. (laughs) Carn industries. Carnage. Carnage Carnage industries. after game five the Sahara Republic won and the notepad says that I am the worst (laughs) updates from game five we have two new cities founded we have Norfinden in Scandinavia and the Wolflands in the Northwest Territory Phil's not written it down but Khan Industries got eliminated twice I thought I was going to get eliminated I'm De Mechanica now because Imperial Volcania got destroyed last game so they're dead to me now and that's it for game five (laughs) at the end of game six the aliens are victorious the first time they've been played as a proper faction after turning up two games ago they have no class they have no class (laughs) they have introduced mercenaries in east africa they have ruined the wolflands in the northwest territory after i only just built it And there is now a new city, Raccoon City in South Africa. Oh, and a minor city, Lionessa in Kamchatka, and Greyfang in Greenland. Okay, it's the end of game seven and it's been an eventful one. The aliens have once again overrun the world. Whatever. (laughs) An event led to the ruining of Greyfang in Greenland. A devastating skirmish between, what are your people called? The Saharan Republic. That's it, the Saharan Republic and De Mechanica uh, has resulted in the nuking of Alaska, which is no more destroying De Mechanica's base in the process and a few of its troops. (laughs) Which means, so yes, we have the Fallout Zone on Alaska, we have Missile Powers, and we have the Mutant Faction, which will come into play next game. The aliens are also the bringer, bringers of nuclear fire as they fired the, the, the third and final missile. These bloody aliens come into our world, bringing the nuclear fire. Blowing <laughs> shit up. Stealing all our jobs. <laughs> Killing my wolves. <laughs> the aliens won, so I put a plus one for the continent bonus on Europe. We've got a new minor city, which is Lupus Corpus on Alberta. And, Mariel, what did you do? Southern Europe is now two coins. Ah, that's it, yes. We're working our way up to four coins to do the world capital mission. Having placed the last minor city, we've now got biohazard zones and a new drafting process for the beginning of the game, which should shake things up a little bit. Exciting times ahead. And I think, Moo, it's just worth saying that your husband is a dick. Fair comment. Like a huge fucking cock bag. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, folks. (laughs) 
So it's the end of game eight and the aliens have won again, but I was in charge this time. New events, we have a biohazard in Central Africa, which means that whoever owns it at the end of their turn loses a troop. So Unless you're a mutant. Unless you're a mutant. There is also a mercenary in Indonesia. There's yeah, a forgot about that. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> There's a new city in Southeast Asia called Alienopolis and no cities were burned this time. Because I didn't build any new ones. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to the end of game nine, won by the Saharan Republic. Nobody was eliminated this game. New changes this game. Forgot to mention last time, this is the second game with the mutant faction, played by Pat. So we had some mercs placed in Brazil, which is a new spawn point. Uh, Pat has a new weakness in the mutant faction. They are purists. Oh, you can tell us what that is, Pat. Oh, I cannot have more than two coin cards. I must keep coin cards face up in front of me, not in my hand. Okay, Phil and the... Demechanica. Demechanica gaining new power. Yeah, so I got a missile power which is recon so normally if I was about to draw just a plebe coin card I could spend a missile to take any face-up territory card even if I don't control it the Saharan Republic also gained a missile power bad intel we can activate the start of another player's turn and deny that player one continent bonus <laughs> and also we have a newly named continent we have Fordowaith which is the blue continent bye <laughs> Hello, welcome to the stats after game 10, which I won! Hooray! It's been so long. <laughs> well done, sir. Thanks. There's only two new additions to the board. We've now got biohazards in Greenland and Western Europe. And that is it. See you next time when it'll probably be Pat or Moo again. Bye! Bye! It's the end of game 11 and the mutants quickly overwhelmed the world. <laughs> Yay. Yes, thank you. And their favoured starting territories in well, not what is what 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 was North America, now called Binland. <laughs> the reference to the little bin lorries that the uh, mutant faction has. Otherwise, not much change. Sadly. No. On to game twelve. It is. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Here we are at game 12 and the mutants have won again, but this time controlled by me. Only real change to the board is that I have renamed Africa Cleotopia. Hello and welcome to the end of game 13, the Saharan Republic won. Couple more changes to the map since last time. We got shields round the shit, which then lost them by the end of the game. Also around Raccoon City and North Inden. Bye! <laughs> Hello, here's the stats after game 14. Bet you weren't expecting to hear my voice again. <laughs> so we now have the world capital in Egypt, which is called Hamanaptra. It's a five population city. We have this idea of a lead faction. So the person who's won the most games, is that you, Moo? It's my faction, because Pat's played a few different ones. There you go. So Mariel's faction automatically gets three troops in the world capital at the start of every game. Ooh. What a bitch. Australasia is now called Linda, and we have some new missions some private missions so if we complete those missions we get to stick that sticker on our character card and it's like a mission that we can complete anytime we like in future games <laughs> one more game to go bye, bye. 
Well, here we are at the end of game 15, the last of the legacy games. I won as the mutant. Woohoo, go me. Asia is now called Trasher, and the world is called Organized Fun. Meryl and I tied for the number of total number of wins, but we rolled off and I won that. <laughs> so I got to name the world. Otherwise, no change, and the board is forever as it will be. Woo! Exciting. See you next time. Do do we want to? I thought you were adding an extra do. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> Patrick. Do we want to? At the beginning, you said obvious spoilers. Yes. Do you want to add a like, but jump to three minutes eighty-four to? That's not a time. That would be <laughs> four minutes twenty-four. Uh, to like just a review for people that haven't played it. Could do. Yes, I'd have to edit that in after once I knew what time it was could, in the sure. sequence of the thing. Yeah. But then by adding it in, it would shunt everything forward by a few seconds. That's Oh yeah. my god! Uh, Maths. Well, it's fine. You know, it'll just add a few seconds. Like chuck it in here. I could do. Or then they no, we could just intersperse. Yeah. We'll just we could record a bit now, and you could just chop it out and put it back at the beginning. You're just like, but before we spoil the fucking game for you, we could do. Or we could just do. Or, or just be like jump, uh, jump to the frag, as Mario suggested. And but then what, we'd have to make sure that in the frag we don't talk about anything. I just fuck it. No, I don't care about the spoiling right. people. Yeah. Fuck it. Right. It's, a, it's a, this game. Fuck you. It's a brilliant. It's a brilliant suggestion, Pat. But. You, I cannot be bothered. Just chill out. <laughs> cannot be bothered with the logistics. So sorry. Sign up today for your local fun patrol. Before we frag, overall strategy. Get the stars. Um, if if a mission was doable, do the mission. If not, try and build up strong enough borders to like gain a bit of time and go for people's houses because that gets you a star. True. If you can't, in the final game, my strategy was if I just keep hoarding cards, I will get the star. My general strategy spread as much as I could as quickly as I could. But then when it came to recruiting, I was always just shoring up my borders. Right, do I border? Does that border an opponent? Yes, whack a person there just in case they get cheeky and they want to. But by doing that, depending on where I was, I usually started in the Australia corner. When you get into Asia, there are territories with lots of borders mm. and you're just, mm. you know, got myself to... worked into a thing. That's probably why I won so few times. Yeah, yeah you want to get and hold a continent and build out of that. Yeah. For me, this is like Talisman, where I get so caught up in playing that I forget all the ways to win. Yeah. So Risk, I don't know, Risk is one of those ones where you just like, you just want to just eliminate everyone, don't you? You just want to take over the world. Well, actually, no. You, you If the game goes on, on for long enough and you periodically collect cards, then you can just win that way. Yes. Or you can go for the elimination option, take people's HQs to get the red tokens. Or you can do missions, as you just forget. But this. I think it's, it's good that you use the phrase forget, because there were a number of games where two of us would end up in this big massive war and the third player would just be sneakily sort of building up cards and just suddenly be like boom that was how I won (laughs) the first game I won which one was again was it game 13 where Meryl says like oh and I won yeah it's just you know I've got four cards we didn't notice I think he was going to win anyway but it was that like and there was always the option because your territory cards that you can swap four of to get the gold the red the gold (laughs) the red starter Token. But you could swap them for extra troops, mm. and you did it to get the aliens. There was one yes. when I did it, and just boom, got thirty troops and swarmed the board and took both your HQs, and it was just like, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was an impressive victory. Yeah, didn't happen very often. Occasionally, you would, you know, a couple extra here, two or four mm. troops, just to kind of yeah. sway yeah, yeah, yeah. a battle. In the earlier games, where I maybe wasn't very secure in my position, or was trying to expand too early, so I would 
just pay them when actually if I'd saved up for stars, I might have won. Yeah, but definitely, I mean, I suck. We all know this. I suck. Without fun, there can be no function. Right, shall we frag? Shall I, shall I get some actual frag cards? <laughs> oh, we have actual frag cards. Fragging cards. Just so so we can't, like, change what we've said based on what others have put. Yeah, you know that what makes I mean? sense. I've you know what I'm saying? Numbers one to the yeah, no. Right, no. we shall start, as always with fun. For me, it's a three. It's, as as I think we mentioned, if you're not winning or if you're not doing well, it's not fun because you just get your three little troops and you just kind of put them in maybe like the, the handful of territories that you own and you just wait out the inevitable. I think that might be partly to do with the fact we were just playing it as three people and if there's if there were more players there'd be a, kind of a bit more going on. Yeah, so I don't, the highs were high, the lows were low, balanced out for a three for me. I went for a four for similar reasons but when I've stopped caring and now I can't win it is quite fun just to egg the others on. But yeah, when it's when you're not winning and when it's going badly for you and there's no turnaround it does stop being fun and that's the same with regular risk I find as well I do wonder if if I'm influenced by the fact that because I've played this before I'm just thinking about like the actual playing of the game and not really thinking about the legacy aspect of mm. the, you know the unlocking of things because when we played the old set the unlocking the mutants was probably the best single moment in a board game ever <laughs> I think it still is I think just because it was so memorable and it was so unexpected yeah so I mean that's clearly a five but uh, a five a moment but overall a five moment but overall yeah, yeah. Three. I went for a four as well I agree totally with what both of you have said I think I yeah I think I'm focusing the other way around I think I am focusing on the legacy element because mm. even on my day of fury and misery there was always that well there's still some secrets to uncover <laughs> there's still ways the game could change so it's not going to be like this way forever come on Phil <laughs> stay positive but I think now that the world is finished and the board cannot change anymore, probably it will go down to a three next time I play it. But like at the moment, the legacy campaign mm-hmm. was definitely a four. You're right. The, the highs were high, the lows were low. But there was always that glimmer of hope that the campaign wasn't finished yet, so mm. it might change for the better. Replayability. It's your turn to start me. I think I'm going to go with three. So it's... We can play it again, unlike the other legacy games that we've got, which is good. But I think, were we not campaigning our way through a legacy? So now we've finished it. I don't necessarily want a race to play it again. I know there's still... No, we haven't got anything left to unlock. There's nothing left to unlock. So now it's just kind of risk with extras. And there's only so many times I want to play that. It's like Pat mentioned during the campaign, risk fatigue. Because <laughs> we've, we've just caned it. Yeah. I'm going for four. I think, even though there's no more secret packs to unlock there are still stickers. There are plenty of factions that don't have comeback powers yet. There are factions that don't have missile powers yet. Hardly none of us have got a private mission. You know, there is still stuff to do in future games. There's that mission where we get to create the new C connection, which we haven't done. You know, there's still stuff to do. And because of that, I think it still has a reason to play. In terms of, like, it just being normal risk, I guess... Yes. I don't know. What would make you choose this over normal? If you had risk, just just risk, what would make... And with this campaign finished? I prefer the mechanic of this to normal risk because there are more options and ways to build up Mm. and ways to win, whereas it's been a very long time since I played normal risk, but I think you just have to wipe people off the board. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this has got the added, like, the benefit of, if as we're playing, ah, do you remember when, you know, you absolutely screwed me over here? Yeah. You know, it's a bit, bit more character to it, a bit of story that makes it more interesting than normal risk yeah or risk that e300 or whatever it 
whatever it is. Did you give it a number, Pat? I, I, well, no, it was just me commenting oh, on okay. what you said. But I'm giving it a four because I'm thinking about the replayability as you're going along. Mm. Like, mm. there's a huge draw to come back game after game of the first 15. We played this almost every week for the last however many weeks. And yeah, the number of, I mean, so yeah, like Phil mentioned, some, some days we played three games. That was maybe a bit much. But it, it's easy to come back to, exciting to come back to. And it's great that you can just carry on after, after the legacy aspect's finished. Yeah. It's my turn to start with aesthetic. I, I haven't even checked. No, no, you haven't picked a card. Pick it hard, Phil. God. Okay, I'm going for five on aesthetic. I really like, I mean, so the box, when you open it, it's like one of those nuclear cases, you know, that the president has. And it opens up like that and you've got all the bits stuck on the lid and all that. And it's just like, you know, the word legacy is sprayed on with graffiti, like it's been added as an afterthought. You know, it's risk and then legacy but it all just matches it's all like gritty and grimy the board looks like one of those tactical maps that would be displayed or projected by hologram in some fucking futuristic war bunker type thing it all just it all fits and it's like all just the little edging on the board it's like Mm -hmm. yeah I just really like it all all the little figures the little plastic (laughs) people you know you could easily like classic risk it's just the same dude but a different colour each team has its own individual trooper its own individual three troop vehicle type thing you know it's yeah I just really like it yeah me too I went for four rather than five I don't really know why just just miserable just miserable I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> no it's good I, yeah it's 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 everything it needs to be I suppose yeah all the, there's nice little touches like you say about like the spray paint style font of the legacy but the board is kind of just everything's it's just a map with different contents of different colours and then the stickers are just kind of I don't know get across what they do without interfering too much yeah like it could maybe be more elaborate I don't know if that would necessarily be a good thing in terms of gameplay it's utilitarian I like it I also went for a four it does look really cool it's very colourful and the stickers are very cool and it is all in keeping aesthetic and I do like that we've all got different all the factions have got different little figures but yeah it's not quite as pretty as some other games and as soon as you start putting stickers on it and writing on it it doesn't look as pretty because none of us have really nice writing and some of the stickers aren't straight and that just eats me up inside (laughs) yeah I think there's like a critical moment though when you've got enough stuff enough stickers on then it doesn't matter and it's just kind of no if it was a blank board with one crooked sticker you'd be like "Mm." but now there's tons of stickers yeah I notice it less now but I still know it's there and like I've smudged some of the writing and things so what you're saying is we just never ask you to play again. Yes. <laughs> I think Bye. that's fair. I'm, Yeah, it'll come up on the spreadsheet, but then there'll be the caveat of not if Mario's here. <laughs> there it is. Pat, it's over to you. Oh, well, well you know, yeah. gameplay. Pick, pick a number. I'm going for four. For the most part, the game just works. Like, setting aside, you know, we've already talked about fun and, and, and what it's like if you're not doing so well, but we talked about how the dice work and how it's just, it's super easy. It's easy to pick up. There's really not many rules, but everything just works together really nicely and kind of makes sense yeah it's just just a solid game I mean it is a classic after all and it's kind of only been lightly adapted to, to, to add in all the legacy elements and it's good that there are other other ways of winning or a few different ways of winning even if I do forget about them 
Also for, yeah, what Pat said, it's easy to pick up, the turns make sense, but it is, again, I think partly because of the way the world's ended up where we've built it, but there is an amount of it that's unfair if it's played in certain ways, and that kind of ruins it a bit for me, so it can't be a five. I also went for four. Yeah, basically everything, I mean, it being unfair and stuff, that's overlookable because, again, your fortunes could change with different picks of the draft cards, and what you know, I mean, it doesn't mean the game is permanently broken it just means that round maybe you're gonna yeah, not yeah. do as well <laughs> sort of thing but yeah otherwise you know the combat is really simple you just it's just comparing highest dice scores there's nothing we you know we've never really forgot anything have we all sort of missed apart from early on with the oh uh, we're, we're drawing coin cards yeah. and we shouldn't have been yeah like, but i mean yeah and i think a minor thing the bonus that the legacy sort of element gives it is that new rules are introduced you know every two or three games mm-hmm. so you've always got time to sort of get to grips with one before it changes slightly and mm-hmm. you know it's not just a big overwhelming dumping of new stuff no so yeah well that gives it an overall frag of 15.7 which is top quarter perfectly respectable yeah all non-compliance will be reported before we ask the ultimate question of whether it's a win or not like risk legacy is pretty much was it the first legacy game or is it's an early one mm-hmm. it was like 2000 2012, I think. Yeah, it was certainly the first one we played. Yeah. What, was it the first one? Apparently there's a Clue Legacy game that Rob Davio has claimed as his. Did he actually make it, though? I don't know. He said it would. Oh, he pitched the idea it was never made, so I think Risk Legacy is the first one. There you go. People mm. on the internet, please correct. I can't quite face reading the rest of this article. <laughs> so I was just going to say, like, for a first Legacy game... It's ace. It still it, stands... Yes. Yeah, it, it still stands up with all the ones that exist now. Set the barrier high. Yeah. Oh, there was... A fairly major error, though. Oh. Because the... What did we unlock first? Was it the aliens? <gasps> yeah. Yes. So the card that was in the alien pack, or the you've placed 30 plus troops. Yes. That told us to open the wrong faction box. Yes. But we and we knew that because we played the game before, we knew that there was incorrect. Yeah, it was just a case of the wrong stuff under the wrong flap, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was it, yeah, yeah. So that's quite major. Because if we hadn't played it before, we would have assumed that that was correct. And we would have been really confused, because like, why yeah. has... Didn't make narrative sense. No, it wouldn't have made any narrative sense. Especially then when we the opposite happened with the... Yeah. Which, okay, so that's just an error in box assembly box assembly I suppose yeah so not major I'm just thinking about yeah legacy like I don't know how they can go wrong like yes. how it can become too complicated because pandemics maybe yeah had some problems previously with just like mm. cars not making sense or and if that happened you wouldn't know yeah you'd just Indeed. assume that it Indeed. was yeah, yeah. are we having fun yet well was it a win or not Patrick yes Moo yes Philip yes <laughs> <laughs> win win That makes it 94.38 to the gamers. Excellent. Right. Well, it's it's lunchtime. We're hungry. I've been Phil. I've been Patrick. I've been Mariel. And remember, non relinquim in Arca Operculo. You can find us on Facebook at Organised Fun Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Fun Organised. Thanks for listening. Bye, Ludophiles. Bye. Bye. Now it's time when we stop. Good night. night.